Alex. Yeah, Jason. I think I think my dad might become a podcast legend. How so? Why? Okay, so a few a few weeks ago now, I was listening to Don't Feed the Trolls oh, podcast. Oh, great podcast! Awesome podcast. Is, and did, they yeah they had an episode on Bigfoot. What? Yeah. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch, yeah. No way. Our Sasquatches. Or Ooh. Squatches. Are there different species? Yeah, and they're all over the place. Okay. Anyway. The Yetis. Anyway, so they they uh, they put a feeler out there asking if anybody has had any encounters to send them an email. Okay. And it just so happens that my dad was okay. at one time attacked by Bigfoot, quite possibly. Okay, so, so he... Legit attack. Not it wasn't a bear. It wasn't a cougar. It was legit Bigfoot. It was legit Bigfoot. Some people came asking him. Some like Bigfoot investigators. This was years ago. This like is what? like this was before I was born. So this is at least thirty five years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So th- and uh, so I sent them an email. Okay. And my dad's gonna be on Don't Feed the Trolls. No, what? Like, they invited him on Don't he Feed the Trolls. He doesn't even podcast or hardly listen to podcasts. That's my thing. So and he's already gonna be famous for the Bigfoot I guy. I know. Yeah. And so, so since we've started doing this podcast thing, Jess, my wife, was offered a position as co-host on the Tom Sumner Show in Flint. <laughs> like, radio, Flint radio legend Tom Sumner Asked her after a roller derby interview, hey, when uh, my co-host can't make it, do you think you could fill in? Do you think you'd, you'd want to do that? And she's like, sure. She gets offered a job right there on the spot. And oh now my, my dad gets invited on Don't Feed the Trolls. So everybody around us who isn't even into podcasting or any sort of kind of internet or radio communication is getting more famous than us. They're, they're, they're hitting it big, Alex. And we need to pack, th- we're packing it up. We're done. Well, this is the final I mean, episode. Of it's Not just your we sit here podcast. in this empty church. I mean, we don't even have a single member to our congregation. Well, not yet, Jason. But I mean, how are we supposed to collect any money and keep this operation going? <laughs> I mean, we have it, collection plates, but nobody <laughs> to pass them to. <laughs> if we can go back to the Bigfoot thing real quick, yeah, I'm gonna just gonna just lay my cards on the table. I think. It's a government cover-up. I think there are Bigfoots. I think there is the Loch Ness Monster, but the government, the government that says that they're supposed to be protecting us and taking care of us are covering it all up because they don't want us to go finding these things. Maybe or, they're protecting Bigfoot. No, 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 no. Why would they want to protect him? I don't know. It's science. And they would make so much <laughs> money off of, off of the zoo visits just to see, hey, come see the Sasquatch, kids. No. Or like, for instance, Loch Ness. I believe that Loch Ness is really in the lake and that she is a dinosaur, but they're just covering the science community is just covering it up because they yeah. don't want people to know that, oh yeah, yeah dinosaurs exist up. and maybe the earth isn't as old as we think oh, it is. Oh, you're going to go there now. Yep. I just want to say Jess showed me this thing. Some radio station posted. They thought they had a Bigfoot sighting mm-hmm. up in the UP. Yeah. And they had uh, some, some hunter's trap cam. Like okay. it looked like a legit Bigfoot. Oh, we got to find that picture. But the next the picture, site. the next, the very next picture on the trap cam would taken just a few seconds later. The animal turned and it was totally a bear. Ah. Oh. So from a perfect angle, it looked like a legit Bigfoot, but it was actually a bear. So maybe there's just a bunch of bears out there. I think it's Bigfoot. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. So, all right. So what we need you to do is to go on to our GoFundMe, uh, Not Your Pastor's Podcast, Bigfoot <laughs> Search, uh, GoFundMe page, 
and we're going to try and collect about five to $10,000 to go yeah. on a Bigfoot hunt all across the Or you can just show country. up at the building here and drop some cash in the collection plate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's what churches are about <laughs> anyway. Give us some money and we can go do cool things while you sit yeah. at home and listen to this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, should we tell people what we're going to actually be talking about today? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Jason and I went to prison. Yeah. Yep. We went to prison and it was crazy. It was, okay, full disclosure. We went there with our church as kind of missionaries to the prison and it was one of the funnest, most awesome experiences I've ever had. Yeah. We went to a women's prison in Dayton, Ohio, right around that area and it was truly amazing being able to uh, just go there, just do some fun stuff. Um, and then We did pre- the Johnny Cash thing. Yeah, we did do the Johnny Cash thing. I mean, Alex and I shredded on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that was unnecessary. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought this was Wayne's World. No, it's not. Uh, but anyway, no, we got, to, we got to play some guitars. We brought a uh, magician, comedian with us. And he made the, all the inmates laugh for a bit. And then uh, our, our pastor got up there and he preached a gospel message using a football, which I don't know how many pastors can actually pull that off. Yeah, I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a pastor, so you can Yeah, you that's know. true. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll save it for the show. This is not your pastor's podcast. All right, guys, we are back, and we've got some very special guests with us today. We got Doc and Pastor Chuck, who kind of uh, helped organize these prison trips that Alex and I have been on. And you guys want to give us a rundown of uh, who you are? Yeah, I'm, maybe, Doc, I'm, maybe tell people that your name really isn't Doc. That's just a nickname, but we like it. So Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I was born, my parents really appreciated what the doctor did, so they named me after him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, it, it's Randy Johnson, um, Doc. I um, have some doctorates, and so I've been in ministry for over 30 years as a pastor and teacher and counselor and possibly even author. Yeah. And what he's not telling you is that he is the best ping pong player <laughs> in the area. Wow. Wow. You can throw it down. Throw it down. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've got it. some ping pong stories, but <laughs> a lot of you are saying our episodes are too long, so I won't get into it. I'm just saying, I, I saw angels physically lift Doc to make a shot, and he slammed the ball in my face, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> Several angels. Yes, at least at least two of them. At least two. Chuck, what about you? What? How long have you been in ministry? Uh, I have uh, been in ministry about 20 years and uh, been teaching uh, since I was about 17 years old or so. Uh, was in 17 years old? Yeah, 17 years old. Wow. Uh, pretty much as soon as I went into Bible college, I finished high school a little bit early, went into Bible college, and the Lord had me teaching almost immediately. <laughs> and uh, so I've, I've been teaching pretty much at least once a week for since I was 17. Yeah, so um, I was insane. a senior pastor for about eight years of a church I started actually in the city of Flint and um, and then was out in California for the last uh, five years and uh, back here now in Michigan. Did where, you like California better or here? Michigan? No, here, Michigan, yeah. for sure. Really? Yeah. Easily. 
Love we, the people. We live in the best state, Alex. We do live in the best state. Our hockey team is great. Our football team sucks, but whatever. You know, uh, hockey's really the only sport that matters. Yeah, it is. But just weather-wise, I mean, you get all four seasons. Yeah. It's – yeah. I love Michigan. Yeah. So I miss everybody there, but I love Michigan. And apparently we have Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention in our, in our little intro there, I will post a link as soon as, 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 soon as uh, they post their episode. and uh, Hopefully they do. I know they've already done an interview with my dad. Uh, about his whole Bigfoot encounter, and I won't spoil it here, but <laughs> I'll put a link in the show as soon as they post that so you guys can go check that out. Just insane. So I want to ask you guys a couple just popcorn questions. So if you guys don't know, uh, Chuck and Doc helped orchestrate this massive prison ministry that we did this past summer. We went to how many prisons did we go to? 18. 18 That's prisons incredible. in the state of Ohio. We haven't We haven't gotten into Michigan yet, but... Lord willing, maybe next summer we'll get in. But anyway, I just want to ask you guys a couple quick popcorn questions. How much money did your guys' church make going into prisons? Man, <laughs> boy. You know what? We were actually rolling around in it the other day. And, is, uh, is red a good color? It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's hard to count how much. but yeah, yeah. We, we spent about 60000 this year. Go. J- out of your guys' pockets, so you guys yeah. didn't make any money on that. You know, from no. the church people. Okay. They spent 60000 this year, and obviously there's no return. So or, let me ask you this question then. A second popcorn question. How many of those inmates that you guys minister to, what percentage of them make it up to your guys' church up here in Michigan and become part of your congregation? You guys have a percentage or any sort of statistics on that? At this point, it's zero. Yeah, somewhere between zero and none. Yeah. <laughs> but the goal is not for them to be part of um, our church. It's to be part of the, the body church. of Christ, the That's church. Right. That's right. And so if they're in Ohio, we're already encouraging pastors to follow up there yeah. to get them connected. And that's what the goal is. So you're going down to all these Ohio prisons. You're spending tens of thousands of dollars. Why? You're not getting anything out of it. So why? I think Doc just said it. You know, we're going down there with really the only message of hope that exists, and that's, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the goal is not to add to our church personally. Um, there's something actually that's, that's you know, really um, meaningful and eternal and fulfilling about knowing you're not really getting anything from these people. There isn't anything that you can get from them. And, I, and it's actually been a huge encouragement to um, our church as people know, they're involved in something that actually, you know, matters. It's not, we're not arguing about carpet and paint and, uh, and what we're doing with our, our building. We're, you know, w- people are behind us and they're praying and they're giving and they're serving in a very eternal way and it has huge impact. And so the goal, as Doc said, is to add to the church. And uh, so we're seeing people come to faith in Christ in Ohio prisons. Yeah, to, to me, this is completely like, it's it's almost I hate to say this it's almost completely counter church cultural yeah. like yep. so I mean obviously I don't have experience outside of you know uh, working through our church and and the training that we provide for people to be pastors I don't have experience in a real seminary but I, I've been listening to other podcasts and hearing other pastors talk and it just it it breaks my heart to see what some of these younger guys are learning and all the analytics that go into it, what kind of people group they should address and 
And, you know, if they want, they want to go multi-site, then, you know, the pastor should focus his time and energy on discipling people who are wealthy, you know, because that's mm-hmm. who gives the most. And that's, that's how you them. get the big buildings. And, and to me, I'm sitting there listening to that. And I'm like, no, we've, where did we, where did we screw this thing up? Where did we get this thing backwards? So to me, I think it's completely refreshing to have you guys on talk about a ministry that you're not necessarily getting anything out of. To me, that's how you, you kind of prove that this is... We got sunburnt really bad. That's about all we yeah. got. Yeah, <laughs> you, did, you did come back pretty red <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. It was insane. Well, one of the neat things about it is, and it's um, it'd be something to, good to learn in seminary, is instead of going somewhere and asking God to bless it, find out where he's already active. What doors does he open? And go there. Don't ask if, well you know, how are we going to finance this or what, you know, if he's there working, that's where you want to be involved. Well said, well said, for sure. So give us a rundown. So a lot of our listeners have heard about your, our trips and I've I've told lots of people about our trips down into Ohio prisons, but for maybe those people who aren't familiar with you guys, give us a rundown of what a prison ministry or we call them shows sometimes looks like. Well, so you know, we've got a team of about 50-ish people we bring into whatever facility we're going into. Excuse me, but we have about 250 trained who want to do this already. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the church is seeing that it matters. This is our fifth year. Oh, so, wow. you know, you mentioned going into 18 prisons this year. That's up from nine prisons last year. So we've mm-hmm. effectively doubled the number of prisons that we went into. And, uh, yeah, 250 people train, but we bring about 50-ish people, and uh, we bring about 20, 25 motorcycles down. So, um, you know, 20, 25 of those people are riding motorcycles actually into the prison. Uh, We actually, you know, typically go down like on a Thursday. We stay the night, and we're up real early Friday morning. Friday morning uh, and all day Friday we're in two prisons, and then Saturday we're in two prisons, two two different prisons, and uh, seeing anywhere between eight and ten thousand inmates over the weekend, wow. and then we head back home. And for me, I preach Sunday morning, and uh, and, and and try to put sentences together. <laughs> Sometimes it's near impossible. Uh, the the actual program, though, um, we uh, have a, a you know. Uh, uh, band that really just kills it goes in there does some secular music these guys are great musicians i hope <laughs> sometime with the podcast they should have an opening yeah. little solo going oh. a little duet here or whatever but they they do they do have the skills i gotta say alex is you're way better at the classic rock thing <laughs> i am four four chords and go let's jump up and down punk rock but alex is really technical yeah, the behind the back kind of playing stuff <laughs> yeah that's all alex <laughs> alex this past saturday threw the guitar it, over his Head. So here's I was thinking and about this recently. So ridiculous. you can let us talk about this for a moment, Alex. No. <laughs> it's really cool to see. I was I was I was thinking about this. Uh, so I didn't get saved till I was 17, but I'd been playing guitar for a few years before that point. And so one of the things I I say very I coined the phrase almost every practice. I'm like, man, church kids they can't play no rock and roll. <laughs> but I was playing rock and roll before I became a church kid. So. Yeah. It was really weird. Like I, I grew up listening to all my parents, you know, tapes and CDs. So ACDC, and we, I listened to ZZ Top and Def Leppard and all these awesome classic 70s, 60s, 80s rock bands. And then I start going to a church where they say, hey, your ability to play those kinds of songs is actually needed here. We don't need you to play Chris Tomlin or David Crowder. Yeah. We need you to play ACDC. We need you to play Crazy Train by Ozzy. And 
can you play behind your head? Because that would really get the crowd going. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, man. <laughs> let me ask the father if I have that ability. Like, <laughs> that is good. Yeah, so I think it's amazing. I, I was just thinking about that this weekend. I'm like, man. God really can use people's classic rock abilities yeah, in it, the church. <laughs> well, we have this mindset growing up that if we give our life to the Lord, he's going to send us to the place we don't want to go doing what we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's what a loving father would do. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't that mean, that right? <laughs> Is there something wrong with that scenario? Well, obviously, he's, he's given you some interests and talents and gifts, and he's going to develop them, and you can use them for him for purpose and value yeah. and meaning. Wow, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, some people might say, well, how come you guys aren't playing the Chris Tomlin in, inside the prison yard? And I would say, because no one would come. Yeah. <laughs> um, people Are you would saying come. Chris Tomlin's boring? No. Hey, you know, <laughs> love Our the target guy. audience yeah. wouldn't Super be blessed. there. Yeah. It's an, it's an issue of knowing who you're, you're uh, speaking to. And, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the outreach pastor at our church. And so I'm thinking in terms of the lost all the time. When we go into the prison yard... You know, Chris Tomlin's not going to be the thing that draws them over. We're uh, we're bringing them over, um, you know, with with Metallica and Nirvana and you know that sort of thing. Sweet our, home our band Alabama, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. Yeah. You know, all of that. It, it brings them close, and then uh, and then what's amazing is our magician comedian brings them mm. even closer, and oh. you'll see. You know, the entire yard starts to come together. A thousand guys will be standing around laughing, uh, laughing. And and, And these dudes are jacked. These dudes are like doing hundreds of sit ups and pull ups. Oh, yeah. All off of peanut butter. Yeah. Peanut butter. They look like they're bodybuilders. Like they should be like at a Mr. Universe competition, but they're. I'm scared of them sometimes. So, so public service I'm, I'm announcement. I'm eating peanut butter from now on. If, yeah. If, if you're spending all your money on supplements, let me just say you're wasting your time. It's Jiffy. That's all you need. Jiffy is the answer. It's, it is pretty cool, though, to, to be in, a, in the prison yard and see opposing gangs come together laughing wow. because of a silly... magician who is who who knows how to rock it and he does he pulls out often the gang leader and yeah it it catches it's a god thing he just automatically like when he picks volunteers he just is picking the gang leader just out out at random he's watching oh he is yeah he's watching it's a prayerful it is it is an element and and he's done it for five years now so he knows who's everybody else looking at when there's a can if he sells a joke who do they look at to see if they can laugh? Huh. Yeah. I had no idea it was that intentional. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Sometimes, though, he tells jokes, and I'm like, oh, my oh. gosh. These, <laughs> these jokes are going to get us. There's going to start a riot. Like, one time he was like, he said to an inmate, he said, you can help me with the next trick. And he goes into his box and pulls out a rubber glove and just, like, snaps it. Yes. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We need to get out of here. Oh. Uh, so where are you guys staying tonight? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those kind of jokes. Uh, so right. what happened to your hair? <laughs> you know? uh, he gets away with it, though, doesn't he? That's unsafe. Really. I know. <laughs> so then what happens after you, so you, you bring the band, you yeah. bring the magician. So yeah. what happens after that? So that, you know, I see that as, as stages of bringing these inmates closer and closer. As Doc said, it's interesting to watch. You know, there's a lot of segregation happening within the prison yard, you know, and to watch all of them come together and be be around that is is pretty incredible. Um, Really, uh, the magician, he really sets it up for the gospel to be given. And then that's when our pastor, um, you know, he comes right up after that and begins to give the gospel. And those guys are riveted. They stay there. 
So like I said, sometimes it's 100 guys, sometimes it's 500 guys, sometimes it's 1,000 guys that are standing there. And then, you know, captive audience, gospel is given, a very short message, but very simple about giving your life to Christ and what that looks like. And, uh, and then he turns it over to us. We're like the follow-up workers, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trained and equipped, you know, that kind of thing to go and to, you know, kind of, you know, share the gospel in more detail, pray with these guys. And he says, essentially, if you want prayer for any reason or you want uh, the gift that we've brought for you, which is a book, just raise your hand and somebody will come over to you. And that is when in the space of, and I can't overemphasize this, in the space of 15 minutes sometimes, mm-hmm. we see miracles happen. I mean, literally, God brings it from, from you know, what you would think you need hours to accomplish to like 15 minutes and people are, are praying with you and receiving Christ and, and you know, radically saved. I mean, it's just absolutely that incredible. And they have no earthly benefit. It's no. not like it's going to change yeah. when their parole hearing is going to be. No. It's not like people are watching to see who does this. It is just people coming together and gangs wrapping arms around each other and praying with us. And it could be a little intimidating. We're encouraged to pray yeah. with our eyes open. Yeah. Which is something new for me, you know? yeah. but uh, you, you do want, you know, we have our parameters or where we're going to go to because, again, we're, we're there with a lot of lifers and yeah. Um, yeah. We, we have to know where we're at. We're going out in faith, but, um, you know, it's something that we want to be careful with also. Yeah, I remember one of my first years I went there, uh, a buddy of mine, we were, just, we were just talking to an inmate, and it was very casual. He was very into the music, and we, we kind of connected in that sense, and then he just switched gears. He's like, yeah, I'm in here for murder. We're like, oh, yeah. I think that might have been the first time I've ever met somebody who's committed a murder, and it's, it's very shocking, but at the same time, you have to keep your head like on straight. You can't, you can't cry in there. You can't really show too much emotion other than you just have to just kind of walk, like you said, Doc, walk out there in faith and... Just know that God's going to protect you because you're doing something just incredibly awesome for the gospel. So, um, but I want to actually talk a little bit about your book, Doc, because the book that we give, the gift that we give the inmates while we're in there is something that you wrote and something that you wrote specifically for this ministry. So tell us a little bit about your book. Um, My best friend in college and best man at my wedding, Will, I think he was the second best man at the wedding, but that's a whole other topic, right? But... uh, (laughs) He um, spent three years in prison, and um, it opened me up to the prison ministry without realizing it. And so I started visiting him a little bit, but I more so started writing. And so inside the book are going to be some cards that I, I wrote to him, and it, a lot of things caught my attention through all of, of what happened. And so he and I wrote this book together, but um, he, he threw the cards to me uh, one day while we were writing, and I said, that's my writing. And he said, well, yeah, these are the cards you sent me in prison. And I'm like, you've been out 13 years. And he said, well, yeah, I have them. I said, you saved the cards. He goes, well, I don't have all of them. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying my head. <laughs> he said, you know how many times you wrote me? I said, no, nah, I have no idea. He said, 90. Wow. You wrote me 90 times in three years. And I guess a lot of what caught me at the time was um, he committed a crime. He admits that. He needed to go to prison. Um, but, but outside the grace of God, why couldn't that be me? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when he repented of it, am, how are we going to win someone like that? By the love of Christ? Yeah. <laughs> or by judging them and ousting them? 
Yeah. And a lot of our friends wanted nothing to do with him. And so um, when he gave me the, the cards, it ended up being 29 cards. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you about this. When you would write me a card, I would take it to the cell block because no one gets mail. And I'd read the card and guys would say, oh, that one's mine. And they would take the card. So huh. this is a little disclaimer. If you don't like the cards, it's one of the bad ones. The good <laughs> ones are out there somewhere. But you know, that really lets us know also about you know, we may not be able to visit an inmate, but maybe finding out, you know, most of us have a friend who's serving right now, um, a friend whose family member is serving, and maybe just to write them, would be a big encouragement to them and let them know that somebody's thinking about them and praying for them. Yeah. And I think when we get into our next segment, I think I got, because I, I read through your book and it's fantastic, and there's Thank you. some specific questions in there, some eye-openers for me. I think we'll we'll dig into those a little bit deeper, but something you just yeah you just mentioned there when you when you're in this environment it's so completely intimidating, and I know like uh, from my time in the jail you get in there and you're just surrounded by inmates, and it's just like what do you draw from to be able to be bold and stand in there. And I, I can't explain it other than the Holy Spirit. It's just, yeah. you just move and trust I love preaching it. in the jail. I love it too. It is. I feel way more comfortable than in a yeah. church building. I'm, full disclosure, like when I, and Jason, you've seen me preach in both avenues. You've yeah. seen me preach at, at on a Sunday and at a jail. And what would you say is better? You can you can tell me. It's okay. <laughs> your, your jail's way better. Yes. <laughs> it is. And I don't know why. It is. Maybe way I feel like I can joke with them a little bit more, or I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. I I love jail and prison ministry. It's but, so much fun and you see so much fruit from it. You know, it's only by God's grace that you're not in mm. their position. That's right. And that's the thing I always think about when we go to the jail or when we're preaching at the the Salvation Army. Are, are places like that. There is such a fine line that yep. separates you. And I think once you, I, it's intimidating at first for sure, but once you hear some of their stories and you learn like their background and you kind of put yourself in their shoes, it didn't take me long to figure out, man, if I, if I grew up in their environment, that's right, I would be no different. Or even now, uh, the feeling of just being a step away. Yeah. The, you know, there a was... choice away. Yeah, there was a guy I met in there who was a, a pastor. He'd been a pastor 17 years. And, uh, you know, he made a couple of wrong decisions, a couple of wrong choices. And there he is. You know, he's lost everything. And uh, I, I got to be honest, I, I needed a minute after that. Yeah. Um, I, I prayed with him. I, I encouraged him. He saw this now as his ministry. Um, but that man has lost a lot. And I realized... Um, yeah, we're, we're all about one step away from that sin. You know, it's been said, right? Sin takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay and costs you more than you wanted to pay. And, um, I, that's never more true to me than when I see the way that sin just ravages through somebody's life. Everybody thinks they have control of things like that. They think they can handle it. And then here you are, you're talking to a guy who had been in ministry, you know, more than half of his life. And, uh, and here he is, you know? And you realize it, it just, it all happens so fast. So we always say around my household, the safest place you can be is as close to Jesus as you can be. Yeah. yeah. There's, well, a, I, there's an old man at our, at our church. Well, I can't say his name now because then he'd be all mad that I call him old man. Is it Doc? <laughs> no, it's, it's not Doc. And he doesn't listen to this. He, he doesn't do technology. Is it your so, dad? No. <laughs> no, this guy, this guy's pretty, he's pretty off the grid. I'm, if, you know, 
we always joke with them. We'll, we'll send every, we'll send out an email for prayer requests, and then you know for you we'll send out some smoke signals. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll just <laughs> put the rug over the fire and carrier pigeon. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let you know. But he he said it along like in one of our Bible classes is is we're all just one event away. Yeah, from just having your life completely flipped upside down. Yeah, and it's so it's so razor thin, and it's, we take that for granted. Hmm. But these guys are here, and it just gives us that opportunity to to minister for me it's hard to say it's hard for me to go in there and say i i'm i'm right here with you Mm -hmm. i always feel like a jerk when i say that like like i know where you guys are at because i really don't i've never Mm -hmm. been in jail i've never uh, so it's kind of i don't know why it always comes across like that but but at the same time it's like yeah i can i feel like i can connect with you maybe more so than i can connect with a person who doesn't think they've ever done anything wrong. (laughs) I think that's why it's easier for you to preach at a jail, maybe more so than it is to to preach in front of church people, maybe. I I think it's the reality of knowing ourselves. I mean, the longer longer you are a believer, longer you're a follower of Christ, the more you're like, I'm I'm the chief of sinners. You know, I I know that could be me and could just be one second, you know. so I empathize with those guys that are in there. I mean, guys that just really can't get their lives together. They just can't figure out how to do it. And you realize it's not because I've done anything. It's because God's done everything. And it's this grace and this ability that he promises, you know, to be able to keep us. And I'm so thankful for his keeping ability, uh, Jude 24, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, so I'm just uh, a lot of hope in that. That was a solid Jude reference, by the way. Yeah. Nobody ever says, no, "All right, nobody. hey, uh, this this text, verse twenty four out of Jude, man." Yep. Like this, that just Jude spoke today. to me. <laughs> anyway, we're we're gonna have some more from uh, Doc and Chuck. They're gonna share some stories, and Doc's gonna talk a little bit more about his book. But we're gonna take a quick break. Hey, what's going on, you NYP peers? That's what I'm gonna call you guys from now on. Those those of you who are fans of the show, this is the break. This is the intermission. This is the opportunity for you to go. You know, get a drink of water, go use the bathroom, go check and see what new shows are up on Netflix. This is your opportunity to do that. But if you're not going to do any of those activities, stay and listen to me a little bit. Okay, so we've got a couple things coming at you. We got one, our Facebook page. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, go like it. We post pictures up there. We post our links to where our blogs are at. And we, we just, we use that as a main avenue to communicate things to you, the fans, the NYP peers. Um, also, we have something new on Facebook coming up really, really soon called Not Your Pastor's Commentary. It's a Facebook live Bible study. And guess what? Your pastor isn't going to preach on these particular verses on a Sunday. We got some doozies for you. Have you ever heard of Ehud? Yeah, he stabbed a guy in the stomach till poop came out like that. We're going to we're going to talk about it. It's going to be amazing. Also coming up, we have uh, we're on a bunch of different uh, avenues for podcasting. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Go check us out on those uh, different avenues and different apps. Uh, and tell your friends about us as well. Share the episodes. We want people to share these episodes because guess what? Especially this this episode that you're listening to right now, we're preaching Jesus. We're preaching the gospel. So please share this with your friends. Show a coworker who's maybe thinking, you know what? This church thing, you guys aren't doing much. You guys aren't doing anything. You guys just want my money. 
That's not what we're about. So share these episodes. Tell people about uh, what NYPP is doing, not your pastor's podcast. Check us out. Uh, Let's get back in the episode. All right, so we're back here with Doc and Chuck, uh, two of my, probably my favorite pastors. Ha ha, Josh. Def- <laughs> yeah, def- definitely my favorite pastors. Yeah. But run us through a little bit because, you know, every prison show that I've ever watched, mostly Shawshank. I've watched Shawshank Redemption, I don't know how many times. Such a great movie, but it's, it's hard to get stuff into prison. So what process do you guys have to go Thank through you. To get all of the equipment. I mean, you're bringing in magician tricks. You're bringing in amps and guitars and motorcycles, a PA system. What does that look like? Most of it we just throw over the wall. (laughs) No, it's quite a process. You know, we actually work really hard for it to be an organized process. It's one of the things that we get complimented on, like, quite regularly. And we have uh, a man that's working uh, behind the scenes who, uh, you know, works with the warden, chaplain, all of that. But we send down a list of what we're bringing in. We send down a list of who we're bringing in. We send down that list. It's broken up into who's riding motorcycles and who's walking in. And so the way that it happens uh, when we go in is always different because of the facility. We're very organized going in, but the facility, it's you know up in the air sometimes. So usually the bikes and the trailers and everything, they all go through what's called a sally port. That's where deliveries are made. That's where, you know, those guards can choose to literally take the entire thing apart, the entire van. They can take the entire thing apart and itemize down to the pens. Well, we've already done that. We've already put it all on a list for them. It's but, insane. But sometimes they will. They'll, they'll count the pens. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we've actually seen God move very powerfully because that process could be an hour, two hours you know, if they wanted that to happen, we've seen God just clear the way for us. And a lot of times they really just open up the back of the trailer and they go, yeah, looks pretty good. And then they let our people <laughs> yeah. in. And you know what that does? That's a huge thing for us. You know, you might think, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is it gives us more time with the inmates. Yeah. So yeah. we see God working even in that aspect of, of, you know, our check-in process. And then I'm always leading the team that's walking in. Uh, we walk in through the front entrance And uh, one by one, you know, we file through that and the metal detectors and everything and get the badges and all that. And and we're usually connecting with the chaplain in there. And then the chaplain leads us to the rec yard or wherever it is that we're having um, our program. And usually uh, the motorcycles and the trailers and the the people who are walking in all kind of meet at the same time. And then it's just go time. We unload that trailer and it's all hands on deck and we are ready to rock literally in 10 to 15 minutes. And by the time, no sooner do we get the equipment set up that inmates are walking out. So, I mean, there is no, there is no time to sit around at all. Yeah. If any of you guys listening have ever played in a band before and know what it's like to set up your band gear to play a show, just, just picture setting up your gear, but on top of that, setting up an entire PA system that has to be completely itemized right down to the number of mic cables. So when we went this past Saturday, we pulled out tubs. Uh, containing everything, all of our instrument cables were counted, all the mic cables were counted, all the microphones were counted, vocal, drum mics, everything. Sometimes they say they count even our guitar picks. Like yeah. I, one time I could yes. only bring in two guitar picks. <laughs> and if I dropped both of them, I'm, I'm done, I'm out. So, yeah, yeah, it gets pretty meticulous. Yeah, it's a tedious process. And somebody goes through and they itemize that entire list. And I was, right. I was talking to, uh, to a family member of mine and he's like, why would you guys go through all of that? 
He's like, why not just go in and acapella? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, on top of that, but there are a lot of people behind the scenes sacrificing a lot right. to make this happen the way that it does. I mean, you're not just relying on church staff here. It would not be possible yeah. if you were just relying on church staff. That's true. I mean, there are a lot of people doing a lot here. We feel like we're doing as much as we can possibly do. And, and you know, we're not going to just sit back. Uh, we, we want God to move. And, and we know that, that at the end of the day, if he doesn't move, nothing happens. We yeah. know that. But we are going to work our tails off mm. to make sure that that is the best product we can possibly put forward for those people, for the wardens, for the security officers, for everybody involved, for the inmates. We want it to, to represent Jesus well and uh, that we love and care about these guys. And uh, yeah, we could throw softballs in there, but um, we feel like we come in and we're saying, you matter. And the, you know, here's the example of that. We put everything we have into this. We could bring down three or four bikes. We bring down 20, 25 bikes. You know, um, we, could, we could put together a small band. Yeah. We put together a band of people who absolutely kill it. I mean, they're just fantastic and they spend the time and they put the work in. And then, you know, we train our people and our people are praying and they're walking through the gospel and they're, you know, I got to take my wife into this women's facility that we just went into Saturday and I was literally walking my wife through. I said, okay, pretend that I am <laughs> now, okay, I'm going to get some flack for this because I've already gotten flack for it, but pretend that I am an inmate woman who does not know Jesus, you know? And she's like, honey, come on. And I said, no, come on. I want you to, I want you to feel comfortable sharing the gospel. So I... You know, she, I said, you know, how would you approach me? And so I just kind of went through the whole thing and she was trying to share with me. I was making it really difficult for her, which was yeah. a lot of fun. In my life. <laughs> but uh, you know what? She said that it, it did actually help a little bit, you know, and, and uh, helped her, you know, kind of sharpen and think through, you know, the gospel and how she would present it. But anyway, all that to say, there's a lot of work that goes into it because, um, you know, we love these people. I mean, I, I mean that when I say that we walk in and initially, yeah, it might, might be a little bit intimidating, but but as the Holy Spirit begins to move, it's the love of Christ that compels us. And, and we genuinely love and care about these people and, and want to see them come to know him. And uh, that's why we do it. And then also the itemized list is respectful to the guards, the wardens. Absolutely. We yeah. leave. If something's in there left behind, um, you know, we, we have our ink pens can't have springs in them, can't be spring-loaded ink pens. You can't have staples in the book. We forget that world's there. Yeah. We leave it. Every day they go in and have to watch their back. Yeah. And, you know, the respect I've gained for them because they showed up for us. It changed their schedule. Yes. And um, it put more tension for them on that day. And I'm not talking about that, you know, Oh, sure, all guards are saved. <laughs> no, no. Not, yeah. But, you know, they're looking at this saying, um, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do today. This is my next, you know, my eight-hour shift is this. But I want to respect them. I don't want something accidentally to be left behind that puts them in jeopardy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, going into this women's prison, I mean, Chuck, I mean, you said you got, was there an email from the warden saying absolutely no contact? Yeah, that was a, that was a surprising one. We had someone... Uh, kind of hinted that at a prison last year, apparently. And uh, once we got there, 
they sort of overrode that and said, no, it's okay. You know, you can, you can shake hands and, yeah. you know, a, a hug, that kind of thing. But, uh, this one, uh, I asked numerous times, I asked the deputy warden, I asked the, uh, the, the sergeant, uh, that's a, the guy in charge of all the corrections officers. And they absolutely said no touching. So we had to tell our women, which was very difficult. You know, a lot of them were like, I need to shove my hands in my pockets yeah. because, you know, these women would put their hands out to shake or they would get done praying with a woman to receive Jesus. And it's like, you can't hug her. Yeah. And, and I just told the ladies, I said, let them know we've been asked not to do that, but we love you and, and he loves you and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, this one was was real strict, but this was different. This was a level one to to a level four uh, women's facility, and in the state of of Ohio, it's a level one to level five, and so um, we're typically in level ones and twos. They've got a lot of freedom, a lot of programs, that sort of thing. Level three is uh, they're considered to be dangerous, uh, dangerous activity. There's a lot of gang activity. Level four is considered dangerous to themselves and to others. Okay. And so level four is pretty, uh, pretty serious. We haven't been into any level four men's facilities, um, but uh, level three was was very, very different. Yeah, Would I you mean, say, Doc? I mean, yeah. It was, well, there was also an incident that happened that morning before we got the, before the team got there at the level three facility. Wow. And yeah. so you know you don't Two want to go into died. those too yeah. much, but you know there that's the that's the world you're going into, and you have to realize that. And so. You know, you could end up saying, well, why do you listen to them? Why do you obey them? Why don't you just hug? Well, they're looking out for your best interest. Yes. But one person can mess up this ministry for everyone. Yeah. And someone going off on their own because the Lord told them, and I, I, wanna be, I don't want to mock too much on that, mm -hmm. but, you know, the, the Lord's speaking to this whole group in a special way that there are some guidelines for us. And... Um, we need to respect those. Yeah, it's confusing, too, because you, you give all these, these warnings, don't touch, and then you get in That's there and right. you see them, and they don't look that different. That's yeah. right. They look like, nor like you, they don't, at least at the women's prison. Yeah. I know that you said the guys were jacked, like, yeah. super strong, but these, these women <laughs> didn't necessarily look like hard well, and criminal. Some of them were jacked. Well, some of them were. <laughs> but then there was also, like, there was also, like, grandmas in there. Yeah, like, that's true. I mean, that's these so women have been in here for. Ever. Or you see somebody that looks like, I mean, I've got two daughters, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's hard for me to look at a girl that looks to be 16 years yeah. old. Yeah. The one girl that I talked to, she was like, I told her what, what year my guitar was made. I was like, it was made the same, you know, the same year that I was born back in the eighties. And then she was like, Oh, before I was born, I'm only 19. I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, hard yeah. to see that. Basically just out of, out of high school, right into the prison system. Yeah. And one of the pastors Incredible. mentioned that on Saturday, he was talking to a lady, and she said, wait a moment, I need you to meet somebody. And she called over her daughter. Yeah. Man. And, you know, that's a whole nother. Yeah, actually, uh, my wife uh, prayed with a, a young girl um, who uh, her mom is in the same facility with her. Huh. And uh, her dad is actually at Chillicothe, where we were uh, last week. And so her dad wrote to her right after our um, wow. visit. And wrote to her to tell her about the the hymn ministry coming in and preaching the gospel and how he prayed with uh, those guys and wrote to her. And so here she is. She gets this letter and then looks up and sees one of the posters uh, for, for us coming into that facility. Wow. And yeah. so she's telling my wife this. And uh, my wife was able. Uh, so, so my wife asked her. You know, have you well, have you done this? Have you given your life to Christ? And she said, you know what? I've been thinking a lot about that. And my wife said, well. 
God's trying to get your attention. There's no better time than right now, and I'd be happy to pray with you. And so she was able to lead that young girl to Christ and, and pray with her. I mean, just incredible. Yeah. And the whole family, whole family in corrections. Yeah. Wow. And then we collect $50 from them and start our next church plant, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even a little bit. I know. <laughs> I'm, a just, little bit. I'm just like, I'm so taken back by this. It's just real ministry yeah. where we humble ourselves and give ourselves up. You know, one of the, one of the areas that's bigger than us. Right. One of the areas is, you know, in a couple of places, they offer us to have lunch with them. Yeah. And I think it costs a dollar twenty-five or something. And yeah. You, that's for the prime time <laughs> lunch, man. Dollar twenty-five because there was about seventy-nine cents. There was one time, you know, we we went into the the lunch room and we're eating and we're sitting down and I was talking with one of the inmates and I was like, man, like everybody talks about how bad prison food is, but this. This chicken patty is really good. He's like, that's not chicken. <laughs> that's our steak. I'm like, oh. Like, oh, and you see the guys, like, they all, like, pull out of their pockets, like, ketchup, a little bit of mustard, and then some salt and some pepper and some other seasonings mm-hmm. that their, their families have sent into them inside the facility. And it's like, oh, that's how you guys get by. Oh, just, wow. just drown it in ketchup. To and just- Alex, you know, just to play off of that a little bit, I remember when we were walking in, and the guys were like, whoa, man, they pulled out all the stops for you guys today. You got chicken fried steak today. <laughs> we were like, oh man. oh, man. So now that we're talking some stories in there, you, what are you guys, 18 prisons this year, and you don't have to limit it to this, just this year because I know we've, we've done this for a couple years now, but what are some of the, the best? And if you want to share worse stories, like what are some of the most memorable stories you guys think over the summer? No, I feel guilty on one where I don't think I took it far enough, to be honest. Okay. And I was talking with some guys that I think I could have taken the conversation a little bit further. And, it, and it's bothering me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn from it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, there's, um, there's a lot to it that you have to evaluate when you come out of it. And so, you know, that's a, a low point for me for this summer is I was talking to, you know, six inmates at one time and, could have gone a step further with them. I think they would have let me. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't go there, and I, I and it bothered me. But I love your honesty in that. Here's this guy sitting here with all. Oh, we call you Doc for a reason. I mean, you've you've got all these degrees and everything, but then to hear you share something like that. I mean, for a guy like us, and I know. I mean, Alex and I were talking. We had 20 plays in Lynchburg, Virginia. I mean, right where. Uh, uh, Liberty, Liberty University mm-hmm. is so I can imagine we've got we picked up some listeners that are uh, going through seminary and I think that's huge for them to hear something like here's this guy is several years into it yeah. still wishes he would have said more on this one occasion yeah. uh, I appreciate that so much yeah. like you know there's um, one of the things that we we try and tell our team is is get to the gospel as fast as possible um, because again, we never know how much time we have. Uh, I've seen as little as 10 minutes. I've seen as much as an hour, you know, that we've had. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you see the Lord, um, really, uh, give you exactly what is needed right in that moment. And, and I'm, I'm never, um, uh, I'm, I'm never like more blown away than when I see somebody's heart open up to the, to the message of the gospel. And you realize it's not me opening their heart to the gospel. 
Like yeah. Jesus has been doing a work <laughs> in prison. Is Jesus in yeah. prison? Well, absolutely. You know, Matthew 25 is like almost our mission statement yeah. as a church. You know, we're going to, we're going to go into this world and we're going to reach the least of these Yeah. and, and we're going to visit him in prison. And he's already in prison is what that's telling us. And, and we're just following him into that prison. And so he's doing the work and we really are just, you know, he's in, in many cases he's planting and he's watering and, and then we're coming in and we get to reap the benefit of it. And, and it's pretty amazing, you know. Can also encourage some guys who are already believers there. Yeah, I was just going to say when, yes. When the band started playing that, we had a guy oh, about ten days ago who was dancing up front, <laughs> and uh, we got a chance to talk with him. And uh, he turned seventy a couple weeks ago, and we were in our conversation. In the middle of a conversation, he pauses and he goes, 50 years, two months." Wow. He goes, mm, 15 days." That's how long I've been in. But in 1978, I got free. Oh, man. That's when Jesus came into my life. Now, so I didn't get to see him get saved. Yeah. But the encouragement he had with Rich coming in, Rodney coming in, you know, and, and encouraging with some laughter yeah. and seeing believers with purpose and value. And so the conversation was, okay, are you doing time? Or are you doing something with your time? Yeah. And that's a, that's a big point we need to make is mm-hmm. don't, don't do a countdown because we do that outside the walls or outside yeah. the, the, the prison fences and that, you know, we're, oh, I can't wait till my kid starts talking or, you know, I can't wait till I get out of school and I can't wait till I get a job. I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait. And we, we hit that fast forward button on the, on the remote to a point where like looking back at life saying what happened mm-hmm. and make the most of every where, where you're at right now. And so I'm having an inmate who's saying to me, he's free. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm talking to people right now who may be, quote unquote, free, who feel yeah. trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the book's about. Yeah. You know, it's those who are trapped by life. Yeah. And so that's why I'm encouraged by it. And, um, you know, just so thankful to God for being part of that. Can I, can I share a story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. A guy named Christopher. Um, 20, uh, 26 years old, uh, good kid, good looking kid, you know, just doesn't look like he should be in prison. You know, um, he was at a a level two facility by the time I saw him. Um, but he, uh, had never been in trouble growing up, uh, never been in, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, problems or anything. He had graduated high school. He actually uh, had applied to college, went to a party. And uh, he says, man, I, if, if I could do anything over, I would not go to that party. And he goes to this party and he gets drunk. And he pulls his car out and he drives down the street and he hits and kills two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he, gets, uh, he gets 10 years um, uh, in prison. Gets sent to um, a level three facility. Did four years at that level three facility. Three months ago, he gets released to where I just saw him. So he'd only been there three months. He told me that while he was at that level three facility, he got a letter about six months after this happened, after he hit and killed these kids, he got a letter from um, the sister, 16 years old, uh, of one of the kids that he killed. He gets this letter and she tells him that she is a born again Christian and that she forgives him. Wow. And that the family forgives him and that she's asking if it would be okay to come down and see him. Hmm. 
And he's telling me this with, you know, tears filling his eyes, you know, in the middle of a prison yard. Um, she does. She comes down with her uncle. She's 16 years old, visiting a level three corrections facility visiting room. And she meets with him. And she tells him that the family forgives him. And she preaches the gospel to him. And she leads him in a prayer right there in the visitor room to receive Christ. And then <laughs> asks incredible. if it will be okay on the, you know, the, the rest of the family uh, wants to know if they could come down and visit him too. He said, yes, that family has been visiting him for the better part of four years. Every other week they come in and visit him. He said that uh, the first time the mom came down, she told him that they forgive him and that uh, they, they wanted him to never leave prison. But now they are, they are praying for his early release. They're talking to the judge. They're writing uh, you know, to, to try and get an appeal, to try and get him out sooner. And they told him that when he gets out, they will be his family. <laughs> and I was stunned. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. It sounds like a movie. It, it, it was, it's one of those things where you, you know, um, I barely make it through it, you know, because yeah. it's, it's a moment where you realize you don't say anything in those moments. No. You, just, you just sit there and you go, man, God, you're so good. Like this 16-year-old girl, had she not known your love and so the reason he told me that was because i asked him if he knew jesus and if he knew about the forgiveness <laughs> and the freedom that christ brings that's right he said well let me tell you and he says i do know about forgiveness wow. and i do know about freedom playing off of what you said there doc about being wow. free <laughs> and uh, so here this man is now he's trying to reach others inside um that facility and uh he was um he had led other inmates to Christ at this level three facility, and now he's excited to see how God will use him over here and um, gets to visit with that family. I mean, just incredible. I was so thankful. So he and I together, we, we, we cried together. I know there's not supposed to be crying in prison, yeah. but we cried together, and we prayed for that family together, and we just thank God for what they did. <laughs> so I want to – so we all have tears in our eyes now from that story. <laughs> I remember when you first told that story on Sunday, Chuck. I'm, like, crying, like, wiping yeah. tears away. and. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, one of our team members, Rich. Yeah. Can you guys talk a little bit about him and his story and how he plays a huge part in our prison ministry? So Rich is, uh, Rich is incredible, and he wouldn't say that. Um, he and our pastor have been buddies for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, Rich's wife was our pastor's secretary for 25 years. Right, Doc? 25? Yeah, yeah. yeah. On staff for close to 31 years. Just about as close as you could be to two people. And, um, you know, uh, his wife passed away. Um, in June. In June. Of this yeah. year. Yeah. Man, I did not know that was his wife. Yeah. And so uh, here he is. Uh, she passes away right before our prison season. He has been this comedian magician for the last four seasons of our prison ministry. And here he is just weeks away from starting the prison thing again. And he is such a key component. I mean, I can't yeah. overemphasize his importance in that ministry. And he's such a key component. But here, you know, he's faced with this decision. Does he, does he kind of shut the door and like, and like mourn and like, you know, and like just turn inward and, and or, or he well, has maybe this, even try to regroup. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, and, and who would fault him? Yeah. No, I, I don't. I could never do what this man was doing. Instead, he has actually taken his pain and he uses it. I can't tell you. There's there's been so many times this summer where I've been backstage with Rich, helping him get his microphone on, helping him get his bike together, or whatever. Getting you know, telling him you know our time frame and how many songs are left or whatever, and to watch him just break down weeping I mean weeping and we are praying together and we're I mean and I'm 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 like Lord please stabilize him and help him and then I watch God just fill him with his power and and he goes out there and God uses him time after time after time and I say man Lord how you're using this guy in the midst of pain and difficulty and yet you're using him. And here's the thing. He knows what the goal is. He knows what the mission is. And the mission is saving lost people. And he does it in honor of his wife who would have told him to go in and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's also doing it for Jesus because that's what Jesus would want him to do. And, and I have just been so blessed. He's so humble and gracious. And, uh, man, he gets up there and he knows he plays what he thinks in his mind is just a small part. And God uses him so powerfully. powerfully. And I just, honestly, this past weekend, I just hugged him. And I said, man, thank you so, so much. Like, I didn't have the words to tell him all the reasons I'm thankful for him. But I just said, thank you so much for what you did. He was at every single prison this summer. And he was out there in the heat. And he was out there, you know, uh, through it all. Multiple performances. 17 people. Or a thousand people didn't matter. Did not matter. Did not change what he did. He didn't, you know, he didn't take it easy. If it was seventeen, uh, you know, on our first our first trip, there were, you know, literally seventeen to twenty uh, special education kind of, you know, guys, you know, and 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 he just did the same thing, engaged them, and was live and and funny, and I mean, it was just incredible. And then from that to a, a thousand guys, I mean. Just incredible. In my opinion, the MVP of the whole trip, and I'm just so thankful for him. Yeah, yeah I think that's – laughter is like a powerful medicine, right? Yeah. And you see people who are in prison, and you know it's you know it's miserable in there. It has to be. And then just this past, this past Saturday to see all those women, and there's 250 to 300 women in there. I mean, you're a pastor, so probably double that, <laughs> like, right? Come on. <laughs> there but, were 900 in the facility, yeah. 225 in our Okay, in Two, our 225. So now I exaggerated. And, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> but they were all laughing. Yes. I mean, and for, the, for, that, for that brief moment, whether it was from the song or from him, I mean, they weren't there. Like, they, yeah. they got a break, like yeah. a real, we gave them a real break. It's true. That's one of the, the most powerful things I've ever heard our pastor say before. He said, if they don't give their lives to Jesus that day, at least we got to let them forget for a second yeah. that they're in a horrible place. And that's, and that's honoring to God as well. Yes. So that's, that for me is like, hey, if I don't even get a chance to share my testimony or, or a bunch of guys just laugh and then they walk away as soon as Pastor Jim uh, gets up there and preaches, it doesn't matter. Like, at least they got to laugh. And maybe next year, or whatever happens after that, maybe then that's the time that God will soften their heart and use yes. and be able to receive Him. Well, so. and our calling is to be obedient, not yeah. results. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. So, I'm, real quick, because this is a long episode, but I'm, 
I'm, I want to keep you guys here yeah. all night. I just want to hear all the stories. I want to cry some stories. We still haven't got the doctor a lot of stories. But you got so how many, the first trip that you guys have done, or the first trip that the church has done, how, how many prisons was it? It was one prison. One prison. So now you guys are to 18 prisons? Yeah, so the first year was one, second year was two, third year was four or five, isn't that right, Doc? Yeah. Fourth year was, Nine. I said nine I, it might have been seven. seven i think it was seven seven yeah and then this year is 18. so how are you guys doing that i mean obviously okay quick answer god is doing that yeah, yeah. but at our level what's going on truthfully i think wardens are talking okay they're they're calling each other um god's given us favor that's that's the short short answer mm-hmm. of that but they're talking we've you know we're getting credibility as being not a problem and a, and a benefit, because um, I got to say it this way, we've asked what, you know, because they've said, you guys are so different when you come in, and we've asked what makes us different, and they said, you don't come in like you're offering anything to us. You come in like like we're giving you something. <laughs> you come in like feeling like this is like a privilege, yeah. not that we are benefiting you in some way. And I can honestly say that that is the ministry. That, that is really the heart of our pastor. It's the heart of the entire team. We feel so privileged going in there. Well, it goes back to Matthew 25, right? We are literally serving Jesus. That's it. Right? That's it. I mean, that's where the excitement comes from. That's it. Last week, we had a warden who went so far to say that um, if no one else got anything from it, what happened to him made the whole trip worthwhile. And he's now in contact with our um, lead pastor, and they're they're texting back and forth and those <laughs> kinds of things, you know, and and it's cool. And we were able to mention to him that we appreciate his ministry there, and you know, I, I would encourage people to be thinking about the wardens. They have a, a control over a lot of people. Pray for them yeah. because they can open up the doors for them to hear the gospel, but they can also close. Yeah, those doors sure. real quickly and um, we have found favor with them um, they've and, and you know at that same time we had a district rep of wardens <laughs> so who was higher up than the wardens mm. and found favor there and so and the chaplains you know the work they do day in and day out um, there's a lot of people out there that um, you know it, it humbles us to realize what their calling has been um, and to be honest, we, you know, we go in and come out, yep. you know, yeah. I, I'm they're not there. there every weekend. Pastor Chuck is, but they're there, you know, yeah. through 40 hours a week, maybe yeah. more. So and, what, and counting it as their ministry. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that was really amazing. So the prison that Jason and I went to on Saturday, we're in the Sally port. We got done doing our show. It was awesome. Tears were shed, all this awesome stuff. And we're s- sitting in the Sally port. And one of the pastors comes up and says, they want us back next year. Oh, yeah. And it was like, already they want us back? And it was like truly amazing. We haven't even like, left yet. We like, haven't even left, left the facility yet. And they said, guys, that, that has happened to us multiple times this summer. Wow. Uh, We're going to open fact, up the other side. We're going to open a little Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm, I'm so amazed by the favor. We'll go in and meet with them. And, they're, and they'll say, hey, uh, we'd love to have you eat with our inmates. And we're like, well, we were going to ask you. 
Well, how much will it cost us? No, no, we'll take care of it. Go ahead, eat with our inmates. Oh, we don't open that side. So Chillicothe is the largest prison in Ohio. It's close to 4,000 inmates. There's a whole side that is dedicated to death row. There's 150 inmates-ish in death row. They never open that up for anybody. They told us, open door. You guys come back next year. You have death row. You have both sides of the facilities. (laughs) It's completely open. They said, you have our prison top to bottom, Fence to fence, it's yours. So, incredible, wow. incredible. The favor that that God is 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 giving to us, and uh, man, like Doc said, I mean, even to minister to these wardens and to the yeah. and to the chaplains, we come in and we're encouraging the chaplains, which we're just amazed by. Um, man, such a privilege. It's just holy ground. So, you think we're we're seeing prison revival here? People were dead and now are alive. They were yeah. blind and now they see. <laughs> Just drop the mic. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How, how is wow. their testimony different than ours? It's not. No, it's we, were, we were both totally lost. And somebody went out of their way at some point to reach either our parents or us directly. Yeah. You know, thanks it, for using the word reach doc. <laughs> it's a growing process. <laughs> Doc's a growth pastor. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, somebody went out of their way to reach us yeah. and, um, are we just going to hold on to it and fail? And Alex, you know, you mentioned they wanted us back. They actually want us to come two times. They want us at the beginning of summer. They want us at the end of summer. They asked us if we could do that. And that's, I think, the fourth facility that's asked us to do that. Well, if you need a guitar player, I'll be there. <laughs> that's wonderful. I mean, we I do. <laughs> the follow-up process is something we're looking at also right now. Um, you know, to go in there and, and have a big hit, if I can say it that way, humbly, of course, but um, to have something special happen, you're, you're working with a chaplain. So when the team prays with someone, they request their name, their ID number and what they prayed about. And then a, a, car, a carbon copy is given to the chaplain so he can follow up. Um, Pastor Chuck has already contacted a couple friends and pastors we know in Ohio who are part of the follow-up process. Yeah. And then we last week met with um, a lady, a powerful lady, who runs a, um, a Bible institute for inmates that has over 50,000 students. She's wow. incredible. She's, she's amazing. Incredible. And um, her name's Lisa. And... Uh, we're wondering how we can partner together and maybe being part of the letters and correcting tests and having contact with these inmates that it's not just a, oh, let's go have fun and leave, that it's a, um, a process. And uh, as Doc mentioned, you know, my, my friend, uh, he's, a, he's a pastor of a church, and I told him about this uh, prison ministry that we have, and, and I asked him to come in, and, and, you know, he's a senior pastor. He's got people pulling him in every direction, and so he finally texts me back. He says, he's, he's like, listen, man, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I'm going in with you. I'm going into Chillicothe with you. <laughs> and I said, okay, great. So we get him. We get him on the roster. I see him. I'm so happy to he see him. He left at 4 a.m. to get there or whatever. He left at 4 a.m. <laughs> to get there to be there by 6 a.m. That's right. I hadn't seen him in a, in a, in about two years, and so just a wonderful kind of reunion there. Love seeing him. But he said, hey, you know, if it's okay, I'm only going into Chillicothe today with you, and then I got to head back. I got a lot I got to do. And I said, okay, no problem. You know, whatever you, whatever time you can give us. About halfway through the time in Chillicothe, he looks at me, he says, is there any chance 
I'm on the roster to go into into Ross right across the street. <laughs> and I said, yes, you are. He goes, I'm going. <laughs> and I said, man. And so he went in and you know what? He hugged me after we, we got out of Ross and just said, thank you so much. I'm bringing this back to our church and uh, we are we are going to be involved in this. This is a huge door of opportunity, and we say that often. God has opened a huge door of opportunity, and we're going to keep walking through it. That's yeah, awesome. it's exciting to be a part of. It, <laughs> it is. absolutely is. It def- it's so encouraging. So, like, all of our podcast listeners have heard us tell our stories multiple times about yeah. just the, being hurt by the church or just going through difficult times in ministry, but... One of the reasons why I love prison ministry so much because it's almost like instantaneous. You get to see God work and you get to see this is why we do this. Yeah. We're seeing lives change. We're serving the least of these. We're serving. We're serving Jesus. And it's almost like all that other stuff, all the stuff that bothers us about church, all that it stuff disappears. about it just it goes away. Yeah. And it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. It's like, man, we gotta all right, let's get our heads on straight. Let's start planning next year. We're gonna play these songs. Let's oh man. I don't. Alex, can I say something about that? Yeah. I really, truly believe people need to know that they are a part of something that actually matters. Yes. yes. That's and, why we wanted to have you guys on the show and talk about this because yeah. we see it. <laughs> and I think, you know, what you're saying right there is what it does in my heart. It's what it's doing in our churches. It's, it's what it's doing, you know, in individuals. It's like, you know what? Man, there's, there's big stuff. There's things that matter. And there's nothing bigger than people coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, that's the mission of God's heart. And for us to be involved in it, I think it it produces health in us. Mm -hmm. It produces health in the church. It's like, no, we're not going to be arguing about, you know, the paint, you know, we're, we're, we're going to put everything we have into reaching people with the gospel. And everybody has to know that they're a part of something that really, really matters. And this does, it really matters. There's, there's no pretense to this. This is the real deal. It's the gospel. We don't get anything from it. Jesus gets all the glory. It's his church that's built, you know? Even even come, you guys coming on here and sharing how we do the process. Like, and I'm sure, like, I won't put words in your mouth, but if another church came to you, would you be willing to help them out and show them how we do, sit through them, take a phone call or respond? And- we would want to do that because you, you want to do your best. Yeah. You want to give them, you want to give the Lord your best. And um, there is a process to that and it, the details. Yeah, and so like the last thing I'd want to be is our church. I, I don't want people like church hopping or, or, or coming over to us because they think we're doing a good thing. I want you to go back to your church and say, listen to this. Listen to what they're doing. I For want sure. to be a part of something like that. How can we make it happen? It's, it's, it's not about church hopping or, or shopping. We've got to kind of force that culture change and to get people to stop arguing about the little things that don't matter. Yeah. And start moving. I had a, I was interviewed on this with a journalist, and he said, "So, so how much fun is it?" And I paused, and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think "fun's" the word. It's the no, wrong it's question. Not. It's you know the joy of the Lord and fun are two different things, <laughs> and um, and it may be different for you guys because it may be fun with a music aspect. Yeah. Um, but you really come out with it like I'm, I'm doing something that made a difference today. Yeah. Today counted. And, um, you know, it, it just that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. There may be people that, like you're saying, Jason, that, you know, 
how do we get involved in something that is meaningful like this? And, and, and you think it's just a mountain. How do we, how do we crack into something like that? It's overwhelming. I've, I know it's simple and I know it's, it's maybe a little hokey, but it's not our ability. It's our availability, mm-hmm. right? It's our willingness that, that enables God to, to move, you know, he can turn a, a car that's in motion and many times, you know, it's as simple as, you know, just going next door and knocking on the door. Yeah. It's as simple as getting in the car and, and you know, putting that, that pie you just made and driving down to that homeless shelter and finding the person that you decide is the right person to give it to. And you never know where that stuff is going to go. I think sometimes there's the, the paralysis of analysis, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. the fear, yeah. you know, of what we... Well, you know, what's going to happen? And it's like, just take this step and go. And, and we've been saying that to our folks. And it's why we, uh, it such a beautiful thing to see 250 of our folks want to be trained to go into prisons. We couldn't take all of them, but 250 of our folks are like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to go. It's, I'm, I'm available. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, we're so challenged by a 16-year-old girl who, who goes in, who we don't personally know, but she's made a difference in how many lives we're not sure about and I think that's where the world is watching. When our life doesn't seem to make sense in and of itself, and we go through difficulties, and, um, and there's disease and death around us, and we still say, we want to follow the Lord. Yeah. That's what catches them off guard. It's not our complaining and pouting and whining that draws them to the Lord. Oh, I want to complain better. How do you do that? <laughs> it's not that. It's the joy of the Lord. Yeah. That changes things. So, Doc, we're, I want to talk a little bit more about your book because I think when we first talked about it, we, we said it, it's, it's a book for prisoners, but it's, it's not really just for prisoners. It's, it's for more than just inmates in a prison. So it's, it's for us as well. It's, it's for us that are stuck in life. So do we do we have time to talk about your book? I know it's getting late in the day. Are we okay? Uh, we are good. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. I know, like, okay, so this will probably be our longest episode. Yeah, I'm older, and so he has little ones at home. So <laughs> I'm good. Well, wanna, three of you do. I just want to say, if this if this episode is long for you, you can hit the pause button and come back to it. Plus, it counts as multiple plays for us. So <laughs> you know, a little ego boost to Alex and I, and. You guys are getting some great content here. I've got a lot of contact back from people who have, in just in life in general, and have been giving to other, other people and just who are struggling. And if I can side note on another book right now, we talked about Rich earlier and his wife um, dying. She died of cancer. But in the, in the process of fighting cancer, she was doing Bible studies and um, we put those into book form, and the book's called Why Not Me. And we often ask why me, yeah. and hers is Why Not Me. And it's another sure. book that really for those who are struggling in life of to reevaluate what does God have for you. And a disclaimer, that's not for book sales. If you want one, come ask us. We'll give it to you. <laughs> that's, right. that's to help yeah. people. That's Yeah, that's what... Again, you guys are just breaking the norms. You got to ask yeah, for money, no. and then you guys get the bigger cars and the bigger buildings. Yeah, it's we we end up doing that actually. This one, we went ahead with twelve thousand eight hundred fifty-three copies of a journey back we ordered, because we get them for about a dollar a piece. We end up selling them for ten dollars. People knew it; they would take one, but that allowed us to give nine books to inmates. Yeah, 
And so um, when we, and we talk told about, the church that, and we told the church that, and so it really is the church going into into these prisons, into these correctional centers, because they're there with us. They're, we're constantly asking for prayer, and so um, yeah, that is the um, process of this book right now. Yeah, I just want to say for anybody out there who you know you hear that number and that number is a big shock to you. I'm a numbers guy, so when I hear the church is spending a lot of money, my first reaction is, why, what is this for? And, you know, we talked about maybe, a, I think it was our last episode or a couple episodes before, um, when you're going to a new church, it's very important that you get to know who the staff, and you get to see where their heart is, and you get to see why they're making such decisions, because it's easy to complain are, are, uh, grow angry with uh, a number like that without knowing their heart. And I can, I can say from this instance, like, like, yeah, we spent the money. We made the investment in books, right? And then, you know, I trust a guy like Doc because I know him personally. I trust our, our staff and our leadership. And, and it's like, okay, I don't get why we're spending the money, but I trust them. And so I'm just going to put that trust in them and, you know, they're held responsible for it, not me, you know. And so we do that. And then I read the book. The book is amazing. Thank you. I, I know I, it's for prisoners, right? But we just said it's, it's for other people, too. And it, I, I know it had a, it generated a response out of me. And then I go to prison on Saturday and I see this book being handed to those inmates. And I say, there's... You know, I, I just paid boxes being opened. I paid ten dollars for that, yeah. and now nine, nine people, nine people are going to get this right. book. We had one last week, and um, really, it kind of again humbled me in a way because right when Rodney is finishing off, it started raining. Yeah, and some people left, and then. Pastor Jim was not able to, to share the gospel. And they're handing out the book, and I'm thinking, I preach today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, literally, it was like, I, I preach to him. I preach to him. I mean, it was like, yeah. I, and, and it was like, I may have made a difference and didn't realize those situations where yeah. we can be confident that, again, La- giving the gift of laughter, being yeah. obedient to God. That, that's where you know, these things are going along, but it helped with the book knowing that the gospel was going to them. And then we also wondered, was God weeding out some of the gang leaders and yeah, holding was, back some people? That was a real interesting one because that was a level three facility and we had not had rain all season. That was the first time we had rain. And uh, we only had about 100 guys. They were kind of trying us out. This is the one where the warden was really ministered to. He's a believer. He was super discouraged. We were able to encourage him and pray over him as a group. And just, you know, he said it was all for him. I want to just let him know. If he's listening to this, it was not just for him. Uh, There was a young man that, you know, I, I mean, we looked out. We saw 100 guys. When the rain started, here's all these level three tough guys running for the barracks. <laughs> they were running. There's about 15 guys standing in the yard just kind of waiting around. And as Doc said, Pastor Jim was not able to give uh, the gospel. And he just literally said, he's like, uh, hey, guys, we've got a gift for you. Um, just go see these guys, you know, right now. And so he's like, team, go. And we just went. And I remember I walked up to one kid. His name is Jordan. And this kid... 
I, I just began to give him the gospel and uh, looking straight at him, rain's falling on us and I'm just looking and he is locked focus with me. I mean, I didn't know if he was actually hearing me or if he was in some kind of weird trance. I had no idea, but just locked focus. And uh, he tells me, once I kind of took a breath, I'm sometimes lengthy in talking. Sorry about no, that. No, you're good. Uh, so, you know, I took a breath and he stopped and he said, he said, you know, uh, my, my cellmate, my celly was just telling me, he just got, he just got moved into my cell and he, he was just telling me about Christ. He's like, and then all of a sudden here I am, your ministry's here and, and here you are talking to me. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what, man, it's no accident. I, I, I asked him, do you have any kids? He said, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a four-year-old. And I said, he says, I don't, I don't get to see him. And I said, well, what would you do to see him? Would you call? Would you write? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to get in contact. I said, guess what, man? That's what your <laughs> heavenly father's doing to you. He's trying to get in contact with you. You know, he loves you. And uh, I said, you know, I, I was just about to say, I was just, well, I, I did say, if you want me to pray for you, I'd be happy to pray with you, show you how to, you know, give your life to Christ. Um, and, and right as I said that, uh, a corrections officer walked up and said, guys, we're closing the yard down. So I put my hand out to shake his hand to say, hey, man, you know, I'll be praying for you. And he goes, well, can we can we walk and can you show me how to give my life to Christ? Can we, can we pray as we're going out of the yard? And I was like, yes, we can. And so here, here he was praying out loud in the rain as we're walking towards the fence. Incredible. He said, amen, right before we got to the fence. And here this kid walks out, you know. And I just, I said, man, yeah. Lord, you're amazing. You're amazing. Cleared the whole yard and there's one kid, you know. (laughs) Well, thank you guys very much for for just coming on and just sharing some awesome stories. My hope and prayer for this episode especially. Alex, we still got to get to the book, man. With the book? I thought we already got to the book. (laughs) I wanted to cover so much more. Maybe we'll have to do a part two, Jason. Okay. But I want to thank you guys. Let me very go with much. one more story. Can I go with one more story? Yes, Doc. Yeah, you can, can go with one more. You're allowed to interrupt, you, Alex. Obviously, you can, all, you can always edit later, right? The one that really caught me was um, I was being interviewed, and I don't know if the interviewer was trying to get me on something, but I was mentioning to him on how my friend, while in prison, gave me one of the best gifts I've ever had, and that he knew I was speaking at an engagement, and. Um, we had been writing back and forth, and he'd give me ideas for my message topics. And so while he was doing time, he was making the most of it because he said, I have time, so let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll research for you. And so it was an awesome situation, but uh, at least for me, I, obviously not necessarily for him, but um, he, he said, um, and I'm going to pray and fast for you for a whole day. And I was humbled by that. And I, and I cannot remember a time that I went into the pulpit with more confidence, mm-hmm. knowing that somebody had been praying and fasting for me. And the interviewer said to me, well, why would you want someone like that to pray for you? And then used the word, don't you feel like it was tainted, their prayer? And again, I think it's to press a button for me. But I, I think as a church, we all too often can have that mindset. And, um, you know, someone, again, who's lost in prison is just like someone who's lost outside. That's right. And someone who's saved in prison is a child of God and, um, and has something to offer. And so if this ever even gets into a point where someone who's an inmate is able to to listen to this, um, and those who, again, are trapped by life, you, you have... A gift you can give to people 
and to be praying for them and to let them know you're praying for them is, is such a, a beautiful starting point. Yeah, that was one of the main points I wanted to get into of your book. I mean, that, that felt like the crux to me. Yeah. I encourage you, you know, as you're listening to this, to pause for a moment, grab your phone, think of somebody just, you know, who's somebody that you haven't talked to in a while or whatever, and pray for them and then text them just saying, I prayed yeah. for you today. Good call. And, yeah. um, Good call, and if you're not sure who to pray for, pray for your pastors. Yeah. That, that's, you know... Pray, or pray for not your pastors like us. <laughs> Be protected from an evil one so that they, they can just follow Christ and by following Christ they can lead us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. If you're, not in the, you. if you're not in the state of Michigan, you can can you buy this book online, Doc? You can go to Amazon, yes. Go to uh, Amazon. I'll put a link in the description. All right, so episode. say the title one more time. A Journey Back. There we yeah. go. Hope for those trapped by life. Oh. You gotta keep, you gotta include the subtitle. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you guys. You guys are actually our first pastors on the show. You are. So, oh, wow. so yeah, I'm really go. glad that you guys got out. I was very much encouraged. And I, if you're listening to this, I hope you're encouraged as well. I know that ministry sometimes can get really frustrating. So I hope this is a a breath of fresh air for you to listen to this and know that despite through all the the the, the nastiness of ministry, that God is using your ministry and he's still working he's not done yet yeah no works in vain right nope so we love you guys hope you guys enjoy this episode hope you're encouraged by it yeah and remember always keep your stick on the ice